This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. And before I get rolling, I need to do one of these. Uh, it's not so much that, um, well, this does bother me. This thing does bother me. But it, part of what bothers me about it is that I missed out on the excitement what am I talking about? Well, I'll tell you. Remember a couple weeks ago, I mentioned we have a neighbor who has a loud car. We, of course, call him Loud Car Guy. And Loud Car Guy, if I'll refresh your memory, he's got one of these. It's a, it's an Oldsmobile Delta 88. I have no idea what year it is. It's a nice-looking car. It's black. It's got dual exhaust. It's got those straight pipes. And so that means it's not muffled very well. So it's a loud car. So it's blah, 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 blah when he starts it up. I think, you, I think you might have even heard it on the show. If I remember correctly, I think we heard it on the show. Well, uh, and he will, you know, I talked about how he'll start it up and it'll, it'll rumble for a few seconds and then you'll hear it go puh, 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 which means something's not quite working right in the engine and uh, you know it's probably a piece of shit as far as that goes I don't know what the problem is I'm not a car guy but I just know it's a loud car it's a pain in the ass and you'll hear it late at night uh, the other morning and uh, night morning you know just about three in the morning it rumbled up we heard some yelling and then we heard it rumble up so it was uh, you know guy got mad at somebody he was living with and decided to just leave at three in the morning or thereabouts okay so I just want to refresh your memory about the loud guy last Saturday morning afternoon I was uh, working at the comic book store you'll excuse me I have to let the cat on the porch she just has to go on the porch just you know it's so nice now I'm on I got a letter on the porch, so out she goes. All right, let's see how long that lasts. Okay, so Saturday morning into the afternoon, I was working at the comic book store. It's what I do these days. And uh, now that I have one of these intelligent telephone things, you know, it's like having a computer in your hand. Uh, now that I have one of them, I am able to much more easily text Amy to see what's going on, let her know I'm coming home, or let her know let her know I'm heading to the store, see if she needs anything, you know, stuff like that. And if I'm at the store, I can say, hey, what should I pick up? Uh, should I get this stuff? I can even take a picture of it and send it to her. So that's cool. And, uh, you know, with the flip phone, I could do those things, but picking the right letters and just, oh, God, it would take an hour just to write hi for me. So, anyway... I'm uh, working away, entering comic books in the inventory or going through and seeing what we need, whatever I was doing, and she starts texting me about some excitement that was happening here in the neighborhood. Uh, she says, you know, just, she says, there is a, a fight going on in the street. I said, a fight? An actual fight? And she said, yes, a fight. And I said, let me guess, loud car guy? <laughs> she says, of course. Of course it's him. There are people in this world who believe they are the only people 
in this world. They don't give a shit about anyone else. I do what I'm going to do, and I don't care what it does to you. I'm the only one here. I'm the only one that matters. There are there's a, there's a sense, uh, at least in my way of thinking, there are those that are unaware of their the fact that there are other people in the world. They're, they're just oblivious. And there are the assholes, the ones that know there's other people around but just don't care. I don't care if my car's loud. I don't care. I'm it's my car. I'm going to start it up after midnight. I'm going to start it after midnight. I don't care how loud it is. I don't care. You know, there's going to be these people. You know, the be oblivious ones are the ones that when you're going grocery shopping and they don't know what side of the aisle to push their cart and you play chicken with them and you want to say, you know, what side of the street do you drive your car on? Now, I, if you're listening in the UK, it's probably different over there for you guys, but... Here in the United States, we drive on the right side of the road. That's the side of the aisle you push your cart. Okay, but those are the people that are they're, they're just they're just oblivious. Uh, they, they, at the checkout, they'll they, you know you you have a lane that goes straight down, and then there's a lane that's on the other side that you have to work yourself around to, if so that two people can be bagging their own groceries at the same time. And the person that gets the straightaway. The oblivious one will stand right in the aisle where you can't get your cart through. You'll have to say, excuse me. Where the unoblivious people, like me, the people who are aware that there are other people around, I will get out of the, I will set my cart up so I leave room for, on the other side so the other person can move their cart there and they can get around me. Anyway. So, Amy's giving me the details. That uh, there was, uh, she heard raised voices. She was thinking, what the heck's going on? At first, she's not paying close attention. Then she starts to pay attention. Well, it turns out the loud car guy was getting into it with his next-door neighbor. Uh, the next-door neighbor, quite rightly so, was a little upset with loud car guy. Not because of the loud car necessarily, although that was probably on the stack of things he was upset about. No, because the loud car guy isn't just the guy with a, with a loud car. He has, I mean, I don't know, we, we figure there's like seven or eight people living in his house. The house that he lives in belongs to his mother. Uh, as far as I know, the guy doesn't work. Uh, our next door neighbor thought that he's a, he used to be a drug dealer, and maybe still is, but who knows. And of all those people in the car in the house, including some a couple of kids, each one of them has to have two cars. It seems. I, I mean, my next door neighbor said that by their count, they have ten or eleven cars, which means they, they park in the alley behind their house, they park on the street in front of their house, right in, on the side of the, you know on their side of the block, and then across the, the street on the other side of the block they're parked. They're parked. They had a car parked right on the corner, uh, uh, just across the you know the intersection. Now they have not parked out in front of our place. Our little corner is, is has been has been safe from them for a little bit. Last winter there was a vehicle that was parked there for a while, had expired tabs on the license plate, expired plates. It had a ticket in the windshield and had been sitting there for a couple of days. I was starting to write down the information when another neighbor had come over. He saw me doing it. He drove over and he said, oh, excuse me, were you taking it? I said, yeah, I was taking down the information because, you know. He said, well, that belongs to the guy who lives next door to me. I said, oh, it belongs to the neighbor. This is before I knew loud car guy. This is before the loud car came out. This is in the winter. And I thought, well, as long as I know it belongs to a neighbor, it's not, it's not an abandoned car because that's what I was thinking it was. Expired plates, uh, you know, ticket in the window. It's been sitting there for two, three days. I thought it was abandoned. Well, <clears throat> all right. So the major beef that the next door neighbor to loud guy had was that loud guy, loud car guy, was parked in front of this guy's house. He had two or three, you know, he had two cars parked out in front of the guy's house, and the guy's saying, I'd like to be able to park my car in front of my house. <laughs> And that's what it, it yeah, and, and it went up from there. So when it got to the fisticuffs, it was four people: the 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 the, the, the complaining neighbor and his son, who I think is either you know teenager or maybe young adult, I don't know, and loud car guy and somebody else living there. 
so the four of them are in a fight in the street. I guess a dog, loud car guy has a dog, came over and got involved in it too. Well, I'm telling Amy, call the police. And she said, well, I think somebody already did. I said, it doesn't matter. Call the police. The more people that call, the better. So she, she didn't call the emergency number, but she did call the police contact number. Uh, that person told her that, yes, somebody had indeed called and just started getting more details from me, from, from Amy, you know, talking about things. And, and eventually, three police officers showed up and an animal control guy shows up. And I think what ended up being happening was uh, the police officers told Lao car guy, you have to move your cars around. You can't, you can't just leave them sitting there forever. There's one car sitting in front of the next door neighbors that are straight across the street from us here. Um, there's a car sitting in front of their house with flat tire. And uh, and and you know, it's, it's like, come on, <laughs> why do you need so many damn cars? And are they all working? And if they're not working, get rid of the damn things. I don't, I don't understand people. But he is, he is that category of asshole who doesn't care about his neighbors. I don't care. Chip on his shoulder, I don't care guy. At least that's, you know, my my amateur psychologist thinking of this guy. Just just by just just by the little bits and pieces I know about him. So the arg is I got an asshole for a neighbor, but you know, what you need to do there. And the arg is that I missed out on the fisticuffs. So we'll see how well things go there. They do seem to be moving their cars around. Uh, they're not staying in the same spots as, they, they, as they've been before. Uh, but um, as I said, and this after the fisticuffs day, that was last Saturday, after that, there was that 3 o'clock in the morning yelling out, you know, slamming outside the door of the house or whatever, and then getting into his rumbling car and, and blah, 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 away. <sighs> I tell you, you know, you can't pick your neighbors, can you? All right, so, okay, well, um, enough of the unpleasantness. Let's do a cool thing. I'm going to intersperse my three cool things through the show. The first cool thing is, quite literally, a cool thing. Actually, it's a cooling thing. As you may know, I work for a janitorial service. I'm the office manager. I'm the only person who works in the office yeah, five days a week, you know, nine to five. I'm in the office, uh, virtually the entire day by myself. The boss comes in toward the end of the day. The supervisor hasn't been coming in for a while because he drives school bus, uh, you know, as as a as his day job. So he can't really get there until after five anyway, because he's got you know, because he can't. And so I don't see him too often, but he'll come by in the middle of the day between his bus routes and, and that. And um, uh, anyway, so you may recall that I've mentioned this in the past, that uh, there's an air conditioner for the office that's just one of those window mount air conditioner type things, but it's, there's, a, there's a hole in the wall up above the, the back desk where I sit at my computer. Uh, that's where the air conditioner is. It's up high on the wall. And this air conditioner that we had had been crapping out for the last five, six years. I'd been complaining about it. I, you know, at first, it would be I was noticed that it would be cool at the first at the beginning of the day, but as the day heated up, it would start to struggle to cool the place. And as the sun got to that side of the building where it would beat down onto the air, that air conditioner a bit, there's an awning that tries to protect it from the sun, but it just you know it just it, it wouldn't be able to keep up with the day, but at least it would cool for part of it, so it wasn't terrible. Like the last couple hours, it might be, get a little uncomfortable in there, but not terrible. But then as time progressed, uh, the summer bef uh, before last, it was, it, it, you know, when it would begin to crap out during the day, it was much, much earlier than it had been. And then last summer, it just didn't work at all. It was just a noisy fan. Now, I'm not looking for sympathy <laughs> Especially for, for from people who work outdoors in summer, for you for you that work on roofs and, and do road construction and do you know you you work outdoors you 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 deliver mail and you're walking. I know that I'm not going to get sympathy from you because you're dealing with that. You're usually looking at me, oh you poor little child. How do you not, how do you handle oh sitting in a in a hot box and sweating? Well, that's what I do. I'd have a fan on me, and I'd sweat. So last summer, 
I compiled the list. I, I, I did research. I looked for, I measured the size of the office. I found that uh, uh, an 8,000 BTU window unit air conditioner would be able to cool the place. And I, I looked them up. I found, I found a couple on Amazon. I found a couple at a local uh, appliance store. I sent this information to the boss's wife. And I got, well, you know, we'll see what we can do. It's, a, it's kind of expensive. And it's not that expensive. Less than 250 bucks, Or it'll be about 250 bucks with a tax and all that. And she says, well, you know, we'll, see what's, we'll see what we can do. You know, you know. And then the boss, he just kind of drags his feet. And he says, and, and uh, it's just, ugh. Yeah. So I went through all last summer. No air conditioning. Well, summer's upon us again, and I'm looking at a, a summer of, of just sitting there sweating my ass off, which again, I'm not looking for sympathy from you know, others, but it's, you know, come on, if we can do something about it. The boss keeps talking about putting new carpet in the office, which I know he'll talk about that for, he usually talks about doing something to improve the office for about five or six years before he actually does it. So I think I got another two or three years before he actually puts carpet in there. So, I didn't want to, to, to get too far into the summer. I decided I went again and compiled a list of, of air conditioners that could be gotten for, for about $250. That's with the tax. You could get free shipping from Amazon. You could pick, or the, I gave the one from a place that's, that's in town. We can go over and just pick one up. And I sent that to the boss's wife, and she, you know, we talked on the phone, and she said, well, you know, it's kind of expensive when you have the money. We'll see what we can do. Maybe we can do we'll see. You know, it's like, come on. I, I told her, I said, look, tell your husband to, you know, forget about the carpet in the office and get me an air conditioner. Well, last week, my younger brother called, my younger brother Steve, he called and he says, uh, Jim, you still need an air conditioner at the office? And I said, yeah. He says, well, I've got one. I didn't, it's, you know, it's going spare. It's just uh, he had it all wrapped up in plastic. He had it stored. And he was looking to get rid of it. He was thinking he'd put it in a neighbor's garage sale. And then he remembered that, it, that I might need one. So he calls me up. He says, do you need one? I said, yes, I do. And he said, well, let me tell you what. Uh, over the weekend, I'm going to plug it in, get it running, see if it's cooling. And if it is, I can bring it down sometime next week and we can replace the one that you got. I said, sounds like a plan. So uh, this Thursday, he brought the, the air conditioner into the office, the two of us wrangle out the the old one and put in the new one and we got it plugged in we got it running this one's got a remote control unit for it and that's cool and so no more getting up on the desk to work the controls and we got it going and it you know the it's air's coming out it's like i don't know does it feel cool because it was you know it was a warm day uh, thursday it got up to 85 so does it feel cool is it just air coming through you know it, and then then we heard the condenser come on and you know, we start feeling it so it feels a little and then about 15 minutes it was coming out in that cold air nice and cold and and so uh, um and steve just sort of offhandedly just says ah tell the boss to give me 50 bucks I said, I will. I mean, I don't even know if he was serious. I think he might have just been floating it and see how he reacted. And I said, oh, no, no, you're going to get 50 bucks for this. I'll make sure that he pays you. So he takes off. I get to sit in the office. And I start feeling it cool down. And I'm checking. On the remote, you can press a little button, and it'll show you what the temperature is in the room. Because you can go to different parts of the room and see how you know what the temperature is over far from the air conditioner and where it is closer to it, which I sit right under the thing. And it was 72 degrees. And I just went, that feels nice and comfortable. It was great. <laughs> it was, I, I remembered it being like that in, you know, when I first started working there in the first couple of summers that working there. And so the boss comes in that day. He sees the old one sitting on the floor up front. And, and he, he just looks at it like, uh? And then he looks back where it should be in the window, in the, up in the hole in the, in the wall. And there's an air conditioner there. Uh? Uh, and I said, feels nice in here, doesn't he? He said, I said, yeah. I said, and then I explained the whole, you know, how he got it and all that. And then I said, you're going to pay him 50 bucks. He said, oh, no problem. He said, you know, you know, he saved you at least 200 bucks on this. So paying him 50 is good. And he said, well, the money was never a problem. Oh, Jesus. Bullshit, man. <sighs> anyway, it's cool in the office. And that's a cool thing. 
you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm going to head to my first break, and I will be back as soon as it's done. I promise. I mean, where am I going to go? Hey, this is Danny Potts from the Kentucky Ghost Chasers, and you're listening to Z Talk Radio. When, oh, when will someone design an exploding head emoticon? Please, someone, anyone. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network. Warmer weather in Minnesota means deer ticks are now feeding in a wooded area near you. Fight the bite. To avoid Lyme and other diseases from deer ticks, use tick repellent. This message from the Minnesota Department of Health. You're listening to Z Talk Radio, the number one choice for music, sports, news, and talk radio. So keep that dial locked to ztalkradio.com. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. And that bumper really didn't get a chance to get started, did it? That little bit of music playing in there. That was Red Rain by Peter Gabriel, in case you didn't notice. And, and I, I just, by accident, I hadn't planned it, uh, the song that goes into that went into the break was called Me and Sarah Jane. That's by Genesis, which used to be the band that Peter Gabriel was the lead singer for. And that's, you know, so it's, it's kind of like a Genesis little mini set there in the thing so uh in uh it's no matter how fast you are driving if you are in the left hand lane you're on a freeway two lanes at least two lanes on a freeway you're in the left hand lane no matter how fast you're driving if the person behind you wants to go faster you get out of the way this was advice that was given to me by my friend John who I've known since uh, junior high school and this advice he gave me was at least 20 years ago maybe 25 years ago somewhere in that range I don't know what prompted him to tell me that I think we were probably having a conversation I was complaining <laughs> about uh, I, you know driving somebody riding my backside or something and then he just he told me that he said, you are not the police. It's not your job to dictate how fast people drive. You get out of the way. It'll be better for you. It'll be better for the people, you know, driving around you. You just, you'll, you'll be, you know, just, just do it. It doesn't matter how fast you are going. So don't give this, well, I'm speeding anyway. I'm going five miles over the speed limit. I'm going 10 miles over the speed limit doesn't matter the guy wants to go 15 miles over you get out of the way and the reason I bring this up is that uh, the state of Minnesota has passed a law that will go in effect on August 1st that uh, slower traffic needs to keep right you do you do not plant yourself in the left-hand lane on the freeways in Minnesota on the interstate on the highways it's two lanes or more. You don't plant yourself in the left lane. That is the passing lane. You use that lane to pass. Now, unless there's a left exit coming, you know, an exit where you have to exit from the left, or there's some turnoff on that's coming to the on the left, like a an intersection that you're coming up to or something. Um, then, if you're slowing down in that lane, like that. But if you're and and the, there's a there's I'll link to this on the show notes page. You'll go to dimland.com, click on the blog option. You'll get to the show notes, and I'll link to this. There's a story about it, and in there there's a little video piece, and there's a state trooper that talks about 
how this is going to work, and he does say it's up to the trooper's uh, um, discretion whether to give a ticket or to give a warning, and you know to, to feel out the situation how it is. But it, it's just better to get out of the way. Don't plant yourself there. I posted this on Facebook, and I you know using the quote that I gave about my, my friend saying. You know, no matter how fast you're going, if the person behind you wants to go faster, you get out of their way. You move over. Um, and that started a, a little kerfuffle in the comments. Because one fellow came in, one person, I'm not sure if it was a fellow, but one person came in and said that, it said, and I don't have the exact quote, right, maybe I should, but I don't, but said that uh, if they're in the left-hand lane going 10 miles over the speed limit and they're passing cars in the right lane and some dumb, uh, what do you put it, dingbat starts crawling up his ass, well that person's not going to get any consideration from him or her, this person that was posting. And some of us, including myself, took exception to that because the way I interpreted that was that same attitude. I'm speeding! And this guy's crawling up on me? I'm speeding. I'm not going to get out of their way. They're not going to get into consideration for me. And I made some kind of comment about it. I said, see, part of the problem. And then he threw it, uh, they threw it back at me, saying that I'm part of the problem. And then I said, well, okay, let's, ta let's say I take your attitude. Except my cutoff is five miles over the speed limit. And you're the dingbat that crawls up my ass. Should I get out of your way? And it, and other people got in there with him too. And I was reading through the comments, going back and forth, and he did clarify his position as we went along. Uh, there was, a, you know, he was he was commenting to somebody else uh, prior to his jumping into the conversation. Uh, a Facebook friend of mine uh, had come in saying something about. Um, uh, uh, getting out of the way of people, you know, it's just had some some aspect to that that debate, and I and I did and I commented to 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 them that um, you know it it is on the person that's following that 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 dingbat, if you will, that is crawling up the ass of the person that's in the left hand lane. Uh, if if you are that person, you're zipping along in the left hand lane. There's somebody in front of you that's going slow, but you know, if you're paying attention to the traffic and you notice that the, that person that's going slower than you in the left-hand lane is in the left-hand lane in order to pass some even slower moving traffic in the right-hand lane, you know, they're getting by some cars. You know they can't just get out of your way because there's cars there on the right. So, you, you know, try don't tailgate them. But I, I said, you know, it's, it's on that person that's following to be patient and allow the person in front to move over when they can. But they sure as hell better move over when they can. And uh, so I commented something like that. And this, this, this other person was bringing up how tail tailgating is extremely dangerous. And I was thinking, well, then why are you setting up letting somebody tailgate? You're refusing to get out of the left-hand lane. But as I said, he clarified a little bit. He was talking about that moment of, or she, was talking about that moment of getting out, you know, they, they, normally they'd be driving in the right-hand lane. And they're passing people that are going slow. And it's at that point, when they're passing and some dingbat zips on, on the back of them, that's where they get upset. Why are you coming up and, you know, can't you see that I'm going to pass these people? Give me, some, give, me, give me some time. Give me a chance. So when I realized that, I commented back. I said, I... I I think what you're saying is this, you've clarified it, that that's what you mean, I see what you mean now, and then I comment, then I, that I said, I, I copied his original, po uh, their original posting, and said that, uh, you know, the impression I was getting was that, you know, you, you were just figuring, I'm speeding anyway, I'm not going to get out of your way. But what you were really saying was, give me a chance to pass these people, asshole, before you ride up on my ass, okay? You know, give me a chance, and 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 I said, and then I 
then I put the copy of uh, copied the uh, the post that I had said originally. You know, the second person who commented here, this was my response to them about the person that's following to have patience, allow the person in front of them to get out of the way. And so then he commented back saying, "Hey," <laughs> essentially saying, "Oh, see, we've come to an understanding, we, we an agreement." We, 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 you know, I said, "I don't tailgate people." I don't like I don't like them tailgating me. I get out of people's way. I you know I says I we I think we're on the same page here, and we realized we were we were on the same page. It was just a kind of a allowing yourselves to get the conversation into full. You know, read it, figure out exactly what we're saying, and and not get angry at each other and dismiss and block and unfriend and all that kind of stuff. Just try to get it through until finally we realized we're on the same side. And I said, I like it when that happens. So that was kind of cool. But really, get out of their way. So that reminded me of a story of a road trip that my friend John, the one that gave me the advice about getting out of the way, John and I, uh, back in the 90s, we would take road trips. And uh, uh, we, uh, the two of them were out to the uh, west coast. Um, one was out to the east coast. And uh, so this one road trip, we were on uh it's uh you know driving his car and he, he he could move fairly quickly but he wasn't an excessive speeder but he would go over the speed limit he wasn't excessive but he would go over and he'd pass people and all that kind of stuff but uh um he wouldn't tailgate and you know he got out of the way if he's in the left-hand lane and somebody behind him wanted to go even faster he'd get out of the way he practiced what he preached well, we were out, I think, in California. Now, we're from Minnesota, the two of us. We're driving along in our car, with, or John's car, with Minnesota plates on it. Now, after a, a day or two of uh, driving out to California, um, we hadn't seen California or uh, Minnesota plates for a while. So we're in California, and we're heading along, and we're, um, we're driving uh, on a two-lane highway. You know, so there's one one direction, one the other, one lane the other direction, and it's hilly country. So when you get in, when you're going uphill, what uh, what the uh, the uh, uh, roadway people that create these things, what they do is they give they put in a right hand lane, so that slower traffic can keep to the right, and let the faster traffic move along. Uh, you're driving an RV, you're not going to have quite the get up to get up a hill. It's, it's going to take you're going to go a little slower getting up a hill than a car is going to go. So RVs would move over so cars could get by. You get you get you get by on those two lane highways. You get behind an RV and it's hilly country and you don't have a right uh, a right hand lane to get out of the way. Uh, that RV can stack up people quite a ways. Well, we're we're going along this this roadway, and the people are doing it right. John's passing a few. John's moving over for a few. So it's just and it's working. And we're heading along, and we get behind another car um, with Minnesota license plates. And we we haven't seen Minnesota plates for, I don't know, two days. That's cool. Minnesota plates. A couple of dudes in that car, a couple of dudes in the car we're in, you know, that's myself and my friend. And we're behind them. So that's kind of cool. And, uh, you know, it, but they're not going quite as fast as John wants to go. So he's being patient. He's not riding their ass. He's not tailgating, but he's, he's hoping that uh, they will obey the rules that the all the other people that we've been coming up to, all the other people from whatever other states, California, Arizona, whichever, whatever their states that we got behind, if we were going faster, they got out of their way. If somebody got behind us, we got out of their way. You know, it's just, it was working. We get up to these two guys, and they don't get out of the way. So I, I don't know how many times the right-hand lane pops open. You know, this, there, there's the right-hand lane, slower traffic, keep right. John would kind of edge up on them, try to give them the message, you know, come on, guys, out of the way. I want to get moving here. Got to make time, got to make time. And they wouldn't move. They wouldn't budge. Now, you're not supposed to pass on the right in this situation. It's, it's Ill, it's, in that situation, it's, I, think, I believe it's illegal, unless the person's turning. I think, but anyway, they're supposed to get out of the way. I, we, I think we got onto these things, uh, into that that little situation at least twice, where the guys would not get out of the way. By the third time, I'm guessing it's uh, my memory's not perfect, but it had to be about about the third time it happened. John had had enough. Now he's driving, so 
he guns it and goes into the right-hand lane to pass the guys. And we're heading uphill. He doesn't have the greatest you know, you know, pickup uh, engine kind of thing in, in the world, but he should be able to pass these guys fine if they'd have stayed at the speed limit that they were at. No, at the speed they were going, if they'd have stayed at... No, what they do? They sped up. They sped up to keep us from passing them. So eventually, we're running out of right-hand lane. John had to slow down and get back in behind these two assholes. And they, we see them kind of snickering at each other. It's just like, what the hell, guys? What the hell? Did they, I think they saw the Minnesota plates, and they said, Hey, hey, it's Minnesotans behind us. Let's give them a little taste of home, huh? Oh, I tell you. I'm going to take my next break a little quicker than I would normally do because that way I won't have to, I don't know, interrupt myself. So you're listening to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network. Sit tight, and I'll be back after this break. Move to the left. No, no, move to the right. Get out of the way. Well, you know I'm not much good at writing letters So I gave up and decided You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Valtor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. Hey, I almost forgot. It's it's time for... It's quiz time on Dimland Radio. Everybody got your pens ready? Okay, I'm going to ask you a question here. It's a multiple choice answer. Uh, can you name the person who said this? That's why I don't eat friggin' lobster or anything like that. Because they're alive when you kill it. Was that A, Mahatma Gandhi... B. Jane Goodall C. Albert Einstein or D. Snooky This has been Quiz Time on Dimland Radio. Station identification. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Operating frequency on ztalkradio.com Welcome back to Dimland Radio here in the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I have a cool thing number two. Now, maybe I'm a little premature on this cool thing because I haven't finished reading the article, but there's a lengthy article. I think it came out in 2010. It's in the New Yorker, and it's about Keith Moon, the drummer for The Who, uh, That you know, the original drummer for The Who, and it's it's uh, it's written by a musician who has uh, who was trained in, in more classical type music, but always loved rock music, and was interested in that when he discovered rock music. At first, his family only pretty much exposed him to classical type stuff and and uh, and religious music, and so when he first starts to dive into rock music he discovers the Who and Keith Moon, and he's he's describing in this article. It, the way Keith would play and how different he was. He he would keep time. Most drummers would keep time. You know, that's what they do. They help keep. But but Keith would not always keep time. He would be in time. He'd be out of time. He'd be doing all kinds of stuff. It'd be he'd be considered sloppy. But he was doing the stuff that he, it just it, 
it's hard to describe. <laughs> but he mentions in there there's a song on the album Quadrophenia in which he can hear it where Keith, three times in the song, hits his sticks together as he's doing a drum fill or something. He hits his sticks together. And he says, any other drummer would want to retake that again. Nope, nope, I hit my sticks together. But not Keith. He'd keep going. Because that's, you know, that was his style. He, he, the, the, the author of this, and I wish I wrote the guy's name down, but I will link to it on the show notes page at dimland.com. Uh, he, he said that, you know, there was a connection between The Who and Led Zeppelin. You know, Jimmy Page wanted to start a new band with uh, John Entwistle and Keith Moon as the rhythm section. And that was the story in which the, the, the name Led Zeppelin arose. Uh, but that never came to be. And he and um, the guy compared John, John Bonham, the drummer for Led Zeppelin, and he says, if you, if you had... Um, uh, if you had John Bonham playing drums on "Won't Get Fooled Again," it just it just wouldn't work, because you know of the way that Keith plays, he wouldn't be able. It just wouldn't work. He wouldn't. You know, he could do it. He could keep the time, and he could probably bring something to it that would be different and maybe just as great, but it wouldn't be the same. And then there was a song. Jeez, I wish I could think of what the song was uh, that he picked uh, of a Led Zeppelin song. And he said, then Keith playing on that wouldn't have worked because just the, the nature of these musicians. And it's, so it's a really cool article, at least so far. I'm halfway through it, and uh, and it's and I'll link to it in the show notes so you can check it out. It's uh, so it's cool. It's cool. And of course, I'm a Who fan, and I, I listening to Keith Moon do drumming is is uh, it's, it's crazy sometimes. <laughs> there's a there's a maybe I'll see if I can find it. Uh, there's I, there used to be a clip on. Um, on YouTube that uh, has uh, Roger Daltrey sitting at a music board. It's 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 a, it's from this thing called a series called Classic Albums, and they review albums and you get the artists that worked on them. And so they have Pete and they have uh, 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 Roger and I think John was still alive at the time. And they were talking about the album uh, Who's Next. And they have Roger sitting at a mixing board and he's listening to Keith's drums on I think it was Behind Blue Eyes. And and Daltrey just gets giddy listening to what what Keith is doing. He says, this is just brilliant. It's just the, what, the way he played it. And I'll see if I can find that clip. Okay. Um, I have talked about this in the past, but it, I need to dive into this a little more again. Uh, an article came out on the BBC website. Uh, that's a story. It's written by uh, Hellier... Chung, I think that's the name. Uh, it came out on the uh, on June 6, uh, 2019. June 6, a day that will live in Femi. It's not infamy, but it would be Femi. Well, you know the June 6 D-Day, World War II. Anyway, uh, it's an article about how the state of New York might be the first U.S. state to ban cat declawing, the procedure of declawing. And I noted something British about this article. It's in the BBC, of course. There's a certain, oh, America. Maybe it's just me, but I'm going to read some of this to you. See what you think. Uh, New York might become the first U.S. state to ban cat decline. In a bipartisan move on Tuesday, lawmakers voted to make the procedure illegal, except where it is medically necessary for the cat. Governor Andrew, Andrew Cuomo needs to review and sign the bill before it becomes law. Critics say cat decline, which involves cutting off a segment of the bone attached to the claw, is barbaric and inhumane. But the New York Veterinary Med Medical Society has argued that it should still be an option when otherwise the cat might be abandoned or put down. Oh, um, my wife and my son are coming home right now, so try not to get too distracted. They're coming in the door right now. Uh, so, uh, the, uh, the New York veterinary, I'll just go over this little, bath, little bit, this last bit here. The New York Veterinary Medical Society has argued that it should still be an option when otherwise the cat might be abandoned or put down. 
Declawing is already illegal in many countries in Europe, including the UK, as well as Brazil, uh, Israel, Australia, and New Zealand. So why is it so controversial, and why does it still happen in the U.S.? Uh, and then see, the article continues, by contrast, uh, declawing is always rare in the UK, even before it was outlawed in 2006, says Professor Daniel Gunmore, a vet and chair of feline medicine at the University of Edinburgh. It was something we didn't get taught at university. It became banned as more Americans came to the UK with declawed cats. Uh, it's something that Judd Birdsall, a cat lover and former U.S. diplomat who now lives in uh, the U.K., noticed. When you go around a village in the U.K., you see lots of cats outside. You can't, I can't even remember seeing a cat outside in the U.S., he told the BBC. Experts believe Americans are more likely to keep cats indoors because many live in high-rise buildings in the city. Meanwhile, in rural places in the U.S., there are, there are more likely to be predators such as coyotes and wolves. Outdoor cats may find more suitable scratching material outside, like trees, and, are also, and it is also unsafe to declaw cats that go outside as they may need their claws to protect themselves. However, there is also a cultural difference, says Mr. Birdsall. For Americans, it's a matter of freedom and convenience. The right to the freedom to make decisions in terms of how you raise your cat and convenience because once you remove the claws, you don't ever have to worry about you or the furniture getting scratched. By contrast, in the UK, any concerns for freedom and, con and convenience are vastly dwarfed by the concern uh, to the welfare of the cat. It's unthinkable to declaw cats in Europe. Unthinkable. You know what's thinkable? What's thinkable in Europe is to let your cats roam around outside. That's thinkable. It says, and I'm, I'll go back to this little moment here, <laughs> um, where it, it says, um, it is also unsafe to declaw cats that go outside as they may need their claws to protect themselves. Why would you want your kitty to have to protect itself? Why would you see why would you introduce it to the barbaric process, uh, 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 practice of allowing cats to roam around outside? You want to be a pet a part-time pet owner? Bye-bye kitty. Come back when you're hungry. We'll see you in a while. You want to not have a cat? It's just, you know, what they don't tell you, in, in here they say, uh, you know, in the U.S., they, they, we keep our cats indoors more than they do in the U.K. In fact, uh, let's see, um, in the, uh, only about 20% of the cats in the U.K. live completely indoors. When it's more like, up, I think it's up like 90% uh, in America are kept inside. It's, I think it's more like that. And... Okay, I don't like the idea of declawing. Our, we have a cat. It has not been declawed. We're not going to declaw it. And we think it's, we, we, you know, I guess there are moments where it might be good for the cat to be declawed. Uh, there was, uh, some, I think it's in the same article where um, a, a person who owns a cat uh, also has cancer and they're on chemo and if they get scratched by the cat or something, it could get infected. So they declawed the cat because they wanted to keep it. And there, and, and, and there was a decline done of a couple of cats because this woman wouldn't have been able to keep them otherwise and she would have had to, you know, abandon them or something. It's, there are circumstances where maybe you do it, but for the most part, let's not do it. But you know what a cat, and I know I've talked about this before, but you know what a cat, in, in, when a cat spends a lot of time outdoors, unsupervised time outdoors. Now, if you want to bring your cat out on a leash, walk it around, or if you're able to keep it in your yard and not let it get away, and, and you're out there monitoring while it does a little playing around and stuff like that, okay, okay. Um, an indoor cat is subject to uh, boredom. They, you know, they'll need some excitement in their environment. They'll need a little something for them. Uh, so you need to engage your cat. 
I, I, you know, we do stuff with our cat here, and she's got stuff she can play with. We have a scratching post, and we, we tried to keep her from scratching the furniture, but she doesn't do too bad a job there. But she'll go at the carpet a little bit, and, you know, it doesn't really bother us there. We have this a nice, you know, rug in here that's a real tight weave to it, and she can't destroy it, but she'll pick at it. You know, she'll stretch herself at it. But she's not too bad. But, you know, I'll do belly rubs with her, and sometimes she'll just take the belly rub, and, you know, because she comes to me. She says, Jim, I want a belly rub. And I say, okay, because she lays down on her side and she exposes her belly, and I'll just rub her belly. Sometimes she'll grab onto my hand with her with her front paws and, and scratch at me with the front paws or hold it with her front paws and then scratch it with her back paws. And sometimes she'll bite on me, but she won't really bite. It's just a, she's practicing her defense. I've, I've looked it up. Uh, that's that's the best guess is what, there's, what she's doing. She's not trying to hurt me. She might scratch my hand a little bit, but it's no big deal. So I give her, and we give her attention. We don't just ignore her. We just, and we and we give her something to be interested. In. That's one of the things an indoor cat you have to be careful of. The other thing with indoor cats, if, if you have multiple cats, because cats tend to be solitary creatures, and other cats might stress them out. It depends on the cat, I suppose, but in general. So those are a couple of things. All right, a cat outdoors. <clears throat> Uh, according to the article, they mentioned that a cat could get hit by a car. Uh, they could. Uh, uh, they did mention the predators, but of course, it's mainly in the U.S. Yeah. It's mainly in the United States, in the rural areas in the United States. And they mentioned female viruses in the article. When I link it to the show notes, you'll 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 be able to read that. Female viruses. What they don't mention is uh, fights with other cats or with dogs. They don't mention parasites or infections parasites and infections that the cats can bring back to their owners. They don't mention being stolen. Somebody could steal a cat. The reason we have our cat, not that my in-laws stole it, but the cat was stray, kept coming around to the house, and eventually my mother-in-law took her in. Some family lost a cat, maybe, or maybe they didn't care, but maybe there's a kid out there who loved this kitty and just lost it and they just never found it again. And we got it. Okay. Um, they could be tortured or poisoned. There could be some mean neighbors that don't want cats around, so they put poison out in the yard. Or they might be, you know, they could be caught in traps. Depends on, you know, if you're in a more rural area, there might be traps that a cat can get caught in. Uh, let's see. Pregnancies. They can meet up with other cats and get pregnant. Huh? There's no mention of the environmental impact that a cat can have. And let's just mention one little thing. Birds. Uh, now, this is according to the American Bird uh, Conservancy website and their uh, page to, uh, dealing, uh, talking about cats and birds. They call it a bad combination. Here's, here's just some information I pulled off of there. Outdoor domestic cats are a recognized threat to global biodiversity. Cats have contributed to the extinction of 63 species of animals, or I'm sorry, birds, mammals, and reptiles in the wild and continue to adversely impact a wide variety of other species, including those at risk of distinction, such as the piping plover. I guess that's a kind of a bird, and I hope I said the name right. The ecological dangers are so critical that the International Union for the Conservation of Nature lists domestic cats as one of the world's worst non-native invasive species. Cats, number one threats, threat to birds. Predation by domestic cats is the number one direct human-caused threat to birds in the United States and Canada. In the United States alone, outdoor cats kill approximately 2.4 billion birds every year. Although this number may seem unbelievable, it represents the combined impact of tens of millions of outdoor cats. Each outdoor cat plays a part. So on balance, I mean, I'm not for decolonic cat. I'm not. But on balance, what do you think is better for the cat? What do you think is better for the environment? A declawed cat that stays indoors? Or a cat that's allowed outdoors? To cause all sorts of problems. Oh, and I didn't mention the other things. There's two other things about the cats. Our neighborhood cats that roam around, I've mentioned this in the past though, but just now, our neighborhood cats that roam around like to shit under our deck. Yeah. 
And you know what else? A couple summers ago, our, our cat, which right now is out on the porch. Remember, I put her on the porch in the first segment of the show. She's out on the porch. Another neighborhood cat came around, noticed our cat on the porch, and shredded the shit out of our screen on our porch door. It's a good thing the glass was down. Otherwise, we would have had, I don't know, our cat attacked by another one. That's great. Keep your cats indoors. Entertain them. Give them something interesting. Try not to stress them out by having other pets or other cats, because that could bother them. Speaking of which, the cat's just walking in. Hello, kitty. Yeah, how are you? How are you doing? Talking about your species. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? Okay. Um, keep them indoors. Keep them entertained. Give them engage. You know, engage them. Try to keep them from scratching your stuff. The article does give you some tips about how to do that. But for Pete's sake. All right. What time is it? Okay. Uh, oh, a third cool thing. Before I. Uh, uh, before I sign off. Third cool thing is, this is a quick one. I, I hope it's not a colorized picture. I don't think it is. It looks like it's probably, you know, legit because I didn't, it doesn't look like it's colorized. Uh, there's a photograph of the set, the living room set, of the Adams Family. Remember that the, the 60s TV series, which was in black and white. There's a color picture of it. It's got the it's got the bear, the, the grizzly bear in the background. It's got the it's got the moose up on the wall with the you know the one horn up and the other horn down, or antlers up. Yeah, they're antlers, right? They're antlers, not horns. They're antlers. The the two-headed tortoises in there. Uh, it's got you know the 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 elephant foot, uh, whatever that thing is. It's got that sitting there. It's really cool. I'll put it on the show notes page. You can check that out. Uh, and uh, before I get out of here, uh, this past week was uh, uh, June 6th was the 75th anniversary of the invasion of D-Day, of uh, Normandy, D-Day. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, I, I'm astonished at what uh, the, the men who did that are capable of doing, were able to do. I mean, you go in in these Higgins boats, that's what they call them, that the, the personnel transports, so you get like 36 guys in one of these things, and the front end opens up and they run off into the water. Those things are made of plywood. I thought they were metal. They're made of plywood. They open up, you go running out into water, you're running into bullets, <laughs> and how do you do that? And the paratroopers that went in, you know, much much earlier in the morning to go drop behind lines to try to take out guns and make things easier for the guys landing on the beaches. They come floating down in parachute uh, parachutes that they can't they can't maneuver. They just kind of wherever they land they land, and it's just I just it's a, it mind boggling. It's mind boggling that people that uh, that those men were able to do that and people now and men and women in the armed forces around the world in America that you know that that do that kind of thing it's just i i don't know that i could do that so anyway uh i've been doing a drawing challenge a daily drawing challenge through june and on june 6th i thought i'd do something to, as a tribute to uh d-day and so i i found the uh, one of the fairly um a fairly recognizable still taken from a film of uh, of uh of uh soldiers going through you know through the water toward the beaches you see them from behind, and I just picked one, the closest one to the to the camera. I picked him, and I and I drew that guy, and I put it up. And this is the category of conspiracy theorists say the strangest, nuttiest, darndest things. I a friend, Facebook friend, who goes, who is actually somebody I know, goes back to grades. I go back to grade school with this guy. He commented, "This is." in response to my D-Day tribute. Germany was too badly bombed and starving that the invasion was big overkill. But the UK and the US just needed to use up their ammo. Also, the West wanted to show Russia how bad we can be. I, my first reaction, which I retracted, I put it in there, I, the comment, and then I took it out. I said, no, no, I don't want to go that way. But I, I put, seriously? And I said, is there, is there no conspiracy theory too silly for you not to believe? That was my first reaction. I said, no, 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 take that down. I don't want to do it that way. Let's, let's, let's go sarcastic on him. <laughs> That'll be more fun. So my response was, yep, that's why Germany was so easily defeated in just a couple of days after the invasion. Actually, as a matter of fact, not many know this. Holly, uh, World War II never happened. 
It was all a fabrication to save Hollywood. The movies were tanking, and the studio moguls needed to get the world governments to pretend a big war happened so that movies could be made about it. It worked. Hollywood thrived, and no one was the wiser. Prove me wrong. I'll tell you, conspiracy theorists, they will just say the darndest things. Good night, our doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. Well, I've come to the end of another show. If you're in the left-hand lane, get out of the way if somebody wants to go faster than you. It doesn't matter how fast you're going. Get out of their way. If you're coming up behind somebody that's in the left-hand lane and they're passing someone, give them a chance to pass before they, you know, move out of your way. And give them a chance. Uh, and be skeptical. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Demford Simmons, reminding you to sleep with the lights off. You can check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option, and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by the Yolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now a message to our competitors. Thanks, thanks for, for tuning us in. in. Well, well, I'm going to hell. hell.